0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the steel curtain.com, with you for another. Let's Ride Podcast. It is Monday. It is a victory Monday, folks. Yes, again, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Detroit Lions 19-9 at Accra Shore Stadium. The ACK. I, I love that people hate that, so I'm going to keep saying it. But still, the Steelers win. They finish the preseason 3-0, no losses. But I tell you what, if you follow this fan base yikes there are people that you would think they were one and two because everyone was happy after well most people were happy after the week one went over the Seahawks but the last two weeks have been dreadful I've been trying to wrap my head around what we all witnessed in Pittsburgh on Sunday it was such a weird game it was really really weird it was tough to decipher exactly what, what went right and what went wrong? That's the best way to put it. We're going to do winners and losers in the second half, and even that wasn't easy. Normally, there's gimmies, you know. There's a guy go, "Okay, this is easy. This is obvious. This is guaranteed." That wasn't that. That wasn't that way in this game. This game was tough to decipher. I'm going to talk about. I'm going to give you my thoughts in the first half. Winners and losers in the second half. So make sure you stick around for the whole thing. Also. We have a lot of stuff coming up at Behind the Steel Curtain, and I'm not talking about features. I'm talking about news. This week, the Steelers have to trim their roster from 80 to 53, and that has to happen on Tuesday, but it could happen earlier. So you need to make sure that you're on the lookout both on the editorial side of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com as well as on the uh, network of podcasts. We'll have all the breaking news for you there as well. So make sure if you're listening to this on Twitter or on the website – Wherever you get your podcast, just search "dealers" or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can subscribe and follow. We really do appreciate it. And if you can give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a good review, it does help in the algorithm. So keep that in the back of your minds. All right, so like I said, there was a lot of news and there's a lot of news coming up and, and one of the news and one of the biggest things that takeaways from this game, unfortunately, were the injuries. It's what we have to start the show off with here, the injuries. So everyone was watching the game. Mitch Trubisky unloads a beautiful deep ball to Deontay Johnson. He hauls it in and then all of a sudden you hear Evan Washburn on the sideline saying and Deontay Johnson's in the locker room with an apparent shoulder injury. He's not coming back. Crap. That's, exa- <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking. Crap. Okay. Okay. Deontay Johnson's now out of the game continue the game defenses on the field TJ Watt he they get a stop you don't think anything of it next thing you know Evan Washburn TJ Watt just went in the locker room with an apparent left knee injury holy crap like at this point what's going on and so then lastly I mean you're watching the game and you see a, a, a tackle made on the sideline and then I see Demonte Casey on the on the sideline laying on the ground holding his wrist you see tweets coming from beat writers, and he's in an air cast coming out of the blue tent. Crap, crap, crap. That's exactly the, the feeling that I'm sure that I wasn't alone. All the Steeler fans that saw these injuries to these, these players, these are not depth pieces. This is not watching, you know, a Carlos or Khalil Davis. Love those guys, but this isn't like them leaving the game. This is a T.J. Watt, a defensive player of the year, Deontay Johnson, Pro Bowler, DeMonte KZ, supposed to have a big... Big part on this defense this year, not coming back into the game. Now, fortunately, in case you didn't check out the post game sound article that is going to be live at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com at 7 p.m., which has all the around the locker room, it has the Mike Tomlin post game press conference, Mitch Trubisky, etc., has it all there right for you. M- Mike Tomlin said that the T.J. Watt and Deontay Johnson injuries are not serious, they are not long-term, and that both of those injuries – the players, if it were a regular season game, could have potentially returned. So that's good news. And then you think about it, you have, they have two weeks now before they play the Cincinnati Bengals. They should be able to get right if Mike Tomlin's not lying to us and is being completely honest. So that's good. Good news. He did say that DeMonte KZ, though, that injury is a little bit more significant. He, <clears throat> he's in an air cast and in and an arm sling already. There's a good chance there's at least a fracture in his wrist, and so... Uh, the Heat could be out for weeks, if not months. Who knows? That's going to be an issue. But still, that was the I think that was on the forefront of everyone's minds after the game on Sunday. So, you know, the injury updates, unfortunately, good news on some, bad news on the other. It varies, but still uh, injury news nonetheless. Speaking of beat writers, I want to do a quick sidebar here. Before I get into my thoughts, and then we're going to update our DEFCON levels after the preseason is over. Uh, the beat writers. I... I do follow these guys and gals because they are supposed to be the ones that have the news that you need to, when we don't have the news, we can't be there firsthand because the Steelers suck as an organization. They don't grant us credentials, but still you, when you rely on these people, you know, everyone always says in something that like the, what yin's talking about guys, they always say how negative the fan base is. You know why they're so negative. I guarantee you it's because of the beat writers. And maybe this is true, because Dave Schofield and I were talking about this before I recorded, and he said either it's the fan base is negative and the beat writers are feeding that fan base. You want to give them what they want, or it's vice versa. The, the, The beat writers are negative, and then the fan base is negative because of what they're reading. It's cyclical. It's like they feed off of one another. I can't stand it. And that's why here at Behind the Steel Curtain, I have always said, we are different. We're different than any other website, whether they are credentialed, like the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the Athletic. It does not matter. We are different. We are fans. We have the rooting interest of the fans in our minds when we put out our product, whether it's a podcast or an article. The beat writers were just driving me nuts when it came to the way they were talking about the offensive line, the way they were talking about a lot of different things about the game. So you know what? If you're like me and you get fed up with those individuals – Come on over to Behind the Steel Curtain. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Okay, thoughts on the game. I mentioned the Beat writers were being down on the offensive line. And the first series, let's just outline the series again. So the Detroit Lions have the ball. They eventually punt the ball away to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gets the ball. Mitch Trubisky's a quarterback. First play from scrimmage for the Steelers. Hand off to Najee Harris. A gain of four yards. Hey, good start. Good push up front. Everything looked really good on that run. Second play. They try a play-action bootleg pass with Trubisky. Trubisky's rolling right. He doesn't have anything there. So you're watching the play. All right, Mitch, throw it away. Mitch, it's not there. Throw it away. Okay, don't try to push anything. He takes a flipping sack. He took a sack. Why would he take a sack? I have no idea, but he takes a sack, and now all of a sudden they lose almost all of the yardage they gained on first down, and now they're facing a third and eight. Third and eight comes. Trubisky has a clean pocket. He has nowhere to go with it. Coverage is good. Coverage is tight. What happens? He gets sacked. And everyone is flipping out. Well, you know what? The offensive line did a good job in that series, both on the run on first down, and I believed on second and third down. But yet, like I said, those beat writers kept on pounding at home. The offensive line surrendered two sacks in the first series. Yes, statistically, they're not lying. But anyone with eyes and a brain in between their ears would tell you that's not on the offensive line. That's poor quarterback play and a good coverage on the defensive side of the ball, which can happen, you know. But let's also keep something else in mind, going beyond that first series, which, man, that really irked me. I would, I cannot stress how much that first series bothered me. And it was started with Trubisky not throwing the ball away. Just throw it away and live to play a third and six, which is manageable. But still after that, it was crazy to me how few runs the Steelers had in the first half. It was so pass-heavy. to 21-7 run-to-pass ratio in the first half. 21 passes to 7 runs in the first half. If we're just looking at the starters, that's what it was. That's awful. I'm pretty sure those were the numbers that we talked about on the post-game show. Myself, Brian Davis, and Dave Schofield, go check that out. But still, the run-to-pass ratio... You want to know why your offensive line is struggling. You're not letting them tee off on the person in front of them. You're not giving them an opportunity. There is no balance. It looked like, and I hope I'm wrong, but it just looked like they were throwing stuff against the wall, hoping something would stick. It wasn't until Kenny Pickett came in in the second half where when he was under center, it's almost like everything changed from a a schematic play standpoint. Maybe he's comfortable with different RPOs, whatever, but it just looked more proficient, I guess is a good way to put it. The bad quarterback decisions were evident in this game, especially in the first half. I don't think people realize that if it weren't for Trubisky scoring in the two minute drive to finish out the first half, that would have been an atrocious performance. When you think about the field position that was gifted, gifted to the offense, whether it was the turnover on downs deep in their own zone, whether it was the interception by Cam Sutton or them driving down the field, all three red zone attempts, zero touchdowns, all field goals. It wasn't until the two minute drive where they scored the touchdowns, the touchdown pass to uh, Sims, and that kind of put things away, but still just really bad decision-making to Trubisky does not look comfortable. He does. I don't know if it's a play calling if it's the offensive line, if he's seeing ghosts, as Sam Darnold said, uh, I think famously when he was with New York, I was on Monday Night Football. Just bad. It was just bad. And so everyone wants to blame the offensive line, but the offense is not doing themselves any favors, we'll put it that way. They look great in the two-minute setting, so maybe you're thinking more up-tempo. I don't know. I try to keep in the back of my mind that things can certainly change from a coaching perspective. You try to keep things as vanilla as possible while still – seeing what you have with your players. It's important to note. It's important to keep in the back of your mind. To me, with the preseason over, caveat season is over. And when I say caveat season is over, I mean that no longer are you going to hear people talk about the preseason and say, well, well, the Steelers played three bad teams. They played Seattle, Jacksonville, and Detroit. Okay, they can't control their schedule. That's just who they play. You don't hear people you know, talk about, well, Kenny Pickett only carved up second string, second half player, second string, third string. But how is that his fault? He can't control who he plays against. And then you even have play- people out there that are saying, well, you know, the Detroit didn't move the ball, but they didn't have Jared Goff. Look, if I'm watching the Steelers' defense, and they're going up against two schmucks, I have no idea who their names were prior to this actual game, then you know what? This is what the Steelers' defense should be doing against that offense. It's what they should be doing against that offense that they are nameless gray faces, as Mike Tomlin would say. But still, they are not players that should be going on and making plays. They did what they were supposed to do. So I think one of the big things now, one of the big questions that everyone, every fan should be asking at this juncture of the preseason is, have the Steelers taken a step forward? Have they taken a step backwards since last week, or has it been a lateral move? That's what I want to decipher. I asked this question to Brian and Dave on the post-game show, and I'm going to answer it right now. So let's talk about offense, defense, and special teams. This is based on from last week to this week. So from the Jacksonville game to the Detroit game at Akershore Stadium. Offensively, I think it was a lateral move. I don't think they showed any great strides forward. I also don't think they fell off a cliff and got even worse. I think it was a lateral move. Keep that in mind. I think it was a lateral move. Defensively, I think they took a step forward. And a lot of that was, you know, you get Cam Hayward back. Your starters play longer. That's going to help the product. So in that case, the defense, they took a step forward, in my opinion. Special teams, I think it was a lateral move. Chris Boswell missed. He had a field goal blocked. Other than that, Presley Harvin, I thought he kicked the ball well, showed some good consistency. Coverage units, return units, nothing that was that glaring. And so for that case, I'm going to say it was a lateral move. Now last week, in this in this podcast, the Winners and Losers podcast, I debuted my DEFCON levels. In case you missed that podcast, which you could still go back and listen to it if you wanted, DEFCON levels, that, that's a defense, you know, it's the United States defense of, of, of alertness. We'll put it that way. So number one is the max. If you're at DEFCON level one, things are about to go sideways. You need to prepare yourself. If it's five, well, that's the least. So I went through last week and did all my DEFCON levels for positions and groups. And I'm going to go back through and say, okay, here's what they were last week. Have they changed it this week? Last week, my DEFCON level with the quarterbacks was a five. That's the least. And I'm sticking by that. Even though I wasn't impressed with Mitch Trubisky up until the two-minute drill, I'm not worried about the quarterbacks, because if he's not the guy, I feel like they have the guy behind him in Kenny Pickett. The offensive line last week was a two. I actually have them moving up to a three. You didn't see those plays where you had free rushers at the quarterback. You didn't see a Kevin Dotson, a James Daniels, a Dan Moore completely swing and miss on a block. It was a step forward for me on the offensive line, even if it was tiny, but it goes up one, so we go from DEFCON level two, it falls to a three, that's a good, we're moving in the right direction there on the offensive line. Running backs and wide receivers stayed the same, both were fives last week and they stay fives this week. I still like the running back group, Najee Harris got his first repetitions, which by the way, after the game he told Chris Adamski of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review that he didn't get stepped on. Everyone had, he had that foot injury and everyone said, Well, he's he had his foot stepped on and they're just taking it easy. He said, I didn't have my foot stepped on. I sprained my Liz Frank. That's why I've been out, not because I got my foot stepped on. So there was a little breaking news there by Najee Harris, but he looked okay. He looked like regular Najee Harris. They had some plays, were called back. He was he got the he got the rust off, and that's exactly what he said after the game. Now let's go to the defensive side of the ball. The defensive line last week, I had it at DEFCON 3, right in the middle. This week, I bump it in the right direction. I think it's a 4. That goes in the right direction by 1. I'm not as concerned if Cam Hayward's there. Larry, he looked good. I thought he, Chris Wormley is still a liability if they run the ball, but still, I like the defensive line. They're going in the right direction. Inside linebackers, they were a 2 last week. That's almost, you know, things are going sideways. I have met a 3 this week. Devin Bush is not perfect. He's not a finished product. I think he's moving in the right direction. And Miles Jack, I think he made some good plays. Mark Robinson's showing up. Buddy Johnson, man, Buddy Johnson is struggling right now. I don't know if he even makes the team, but still I have inside linebackers going from a two to a three. And remember, that's heading in the right direction. The outside linebackers and cornerbacks were both fours last week and they remain fours this week. The safeties, though, last week were fives. This week, I have it going to a four, and that's only because of the injury to KZ. They had been running a lot of that weird, unique nickel-dime defense where they have three safeties on the field, and that was because of KZ. Yeah, I just hope he's not going to be gone for the year with that wrist injury. We'll see how that plays out. Special teams was a four last week. It's a four this week. So they're my DEFCON levels. If you want to give me your DEFCON levels, you can follow me on Twitter at Hartman h-a-r-t-m-a-n underscore p-i-t let me know what you think about some of these DEFCON levels heading into the regular season so I said it was a weird game it was a weird game and we have to go over winners and losers and I will be doing that right after this break stay tuned be right back Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to the second half. I'm glad you're staying with me. The winners and losers, this is what everyone likes to hear after the games. Seven winners this week and five losers. I know what you're probably thinking, that maybe that five's a little high for the loser side, especially after the win. Or maybe you're thinking that seven winners, that's a little high after that performance. Well, let me hash it out for you. We're going to talk about all these winners and losers. Let's get things started on the winner side of the docket. First winner... The Steelers' starting defense, I mean, take a listen to these numbers, this stat line. So they didn't give up any points in the first half. I'm basing this all on the first half because after halftime is when players like Cam Hayward, Larry, TJ Watt, all those starters, they left the game. Minka Fitzpatrick, etc. cetera. The stat line, they didn't give up a point. No points surrendered. They gave up 48 yards on the ground and only 75 yards passing in the first half. If that was what we're going to see, and again, no, the Detroit Lions are not probably winning a Super Bowl this year. No, they did not have Jared Goff. But this is what the Steelers' starting defense should do, in my opinion, to a team that's subpar. They did exactly what they should have done, didn't give up a point. Kudos to the Steelers' starting defense. Good. It was a good finishing game. I thought outside of that one rush, the draw, which was bad, and Mike Tomlin talked about that in his post-game press conference, outside of that, that starting defense looked very legit. Next winner, the two-minute offense. So I mentioned how Mitch Trubisky did not look good in the red zone. He didn't really look good in the first half. But they did finish off that drive one for one with that two-minute offense. They finished with that touchdown. It was good to see the Steelers' offense be able to move the ball. I'm really curious to think or to wonder if the Steelers might try and lean on a two-minute style, up-tempo type of offense just to kind of get things going. Even if it's only in the early portions of the game, we'll see how that goes. We've always said that with Roethlisberger in the past, and the Steelers never really sold out on that? We'll see. Miles Boykin is a winner. And I'll tell you why. Three catches, 41 yards, three targets. He had a 3.7, 13.7 average and a 29-yard long. Here's my thoughts on why Boykin is a winner. No, he didn't have a touchdown. And he didn't have any game-breaking plays. What he did is he made plays that were presented. For a guy that is on the fringe of making the team, depending on how many receivers they keep, You cannot go out and make a mistake, and he did not do that. We know he plays special teams. Mike Tomlin values that. Miles Boykin went out and put a great performance on tape, if not for the Steelers, for someone else. I think he makes the team, but at the same time, I just think he deserves to be recognized for a good game, and for a guy that's on the bubble to perform that way, I think that's noteworthy. Next winner, this guy's not on the bubble. He's making the team. Cam Sutton. His stat line, he had two tackles, two solo, one pass defense, one interception. Cam Sutton, there was actually some rumors circulating that the Steelers might be looking to extend Cam Sutton's contract. Now, he has one year left on his deal. This is the last year of his current contract. Remember, he signed a two-year contract as a free agent or prior to free agency after uh, the 2020 season. So Cam Sutton, he's he's a great player, and when Mike Tomlin – When Mike Tomlin of all people says that he cam Sutton is one of the smartest players he's ever been around. That tells me something, you know, you see him make plays like he did. It was a great play. It was a great play. Great return. Love to see him keep him in Pittsburgh. Good for him. Big time winner. Next winner is another player in the secondary Minka Fitzpatrick four tackles, three solo tackles. He had a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass defense and a quarterback hit. A great game in limited time for Minka Fitzpatrick. What has been really interesting to me is how the Steelers have been using him, not Edmonds all the time, in this hybrid linebacker role. You typically would want Fitzpatrick roaming the secondary, trying to bait quarterbacks, and he did have a phenomenal pass defense, and he almost intercepted it, but still... They're going to use Minka Fitzpatrick all over the field, and that's maybe that's the best course of action. He was flying around. He looked every bit the dynamic playmaker that this team needs him to be. Kudos to Minka Fitzpatrick. He played well. He's ready for the regular season. He's a winner. Next winner is Cam Hayward. His first preseason action, you forget that he did not play in the Jacksonville game. He injured his ankle prior to that. Two tackles, one solo tackle, and he had he got his hands on two passes at the line of scrimmage so two pass defenses it's just what cam hayward does he's going to find a way to wreck the game one way or the other he will find a way to wreck the game so big big props to cam hayward for getting back out there on the gridiron good to see him back there the last winner this kind of comes with a caveat it's elijah riley you might be wondering who he was number 37 he was the one that they called donovan steiner because they gave Elijah Riley, Donovan Steiner's number one. Donovan Steiner got waived to make room for Elijah Riley. And that's exactly what they did. But you know, when you hear the story about this guy, he was waived by the New York Jets. The Steelers pick him up. He comes in on on Wednesday, I believe, gets off the plane and goes straight to practice. And he comes out and, and he has a good showing. Four tackles, two solo tackles, and a pass defense. He had another big play that was negated by a penalty. I thought that Elijah Riley, on a day where DeMonte KZ gets hurt, maybe, just maybe, this is a guy that's not a rookie. He's actually someone that is, has some experience in the NFL. Maybe he could fill that role. Whatever KZ was going to do, maybe he could do that this season or until he able to, is able to come back. But for a new guy in a new place, I don't care if it was against second, third, fourth string players. He looked good. He showed up. He popped on the screen. That's what I like to see. So there's your winners. Let me read them back for you. The winners, starting defense, the two-minute offense, Miles Boykin, Cam Sutton, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, and Elijah Riley. Let's go to the other side of the docket, the ugly side of the docket. Five losers. Let's get things started with penalties. Of course, penalties. The Steelers had 11 accepted penalties for 95 yards. Accepted penalties. That doesn't count the penalties that are declined. That doesn't accept, like, for instance, if there's two penalties on the defense, one's accepted, one's declined, you can't accept two penalties. That doesn't count. That one that's declined doesn't count. This team was penalized more than 11 times. I don't know what to say about the 11 penalties. I thought that the officials were a little flag happy. There were some plays that they were calling that I just was not seeing. I'm not saying that I'm right and they're wrong or anything like that. But I just wasn't seeing some of these calls. Nonetheless, those penalties, some of them were absolutely killers. You had the Steelers in the red zone. Penalty pushes them out. They get back in the red zone. Penalty, now they're out of the red zone. There was no rhythm at all because of these boneheaded penalties. And it wasn't just Dan Moore Jr. out there, people. Najee Harris with a false start. Just really stupid stuff. They need to clean that up if they, want any, if they have any hopes of of doing making any noise this season at all, the next loser, injuries. Of course, injuries. When you lose Deontay Johnson, T.J. Watt, and K.Z. all in the same game, that's no bueno, as they would say in Spanish. I just I'm thankful that Deontay Johnson and T.J. Watt's injuries are deemed to be lesser of in the in the area of significance. But K.Z. he's been having a great camp, a great preseason. I just hope, fingers crossed, that it's not really bad. I'm, I'm hoping it's not a Tyson Alawalu situation last year where he broke his his leg or lower leg, ankle, whatever, and he was gone for the year. I hope it's not that. I hope it's not that. KZ might find his way on injured reserve, though. That's something to keep an eye on. All right, we have three more losers. The next one, okay, this he's on the losers list, but calm down. It's Mason Rudolph. The stat line is he was 0 for 3. He threw some nice passes, but he was 0 for 3. The reason why he's on the losers list is not that he played poorly. I kind of feel bad for the guy. I feel bad because I feel like Mason Rudolph, he he didn't even get a chance in this game to show anything, and a lot of that was just the way the ebb and flow of the game went. Uh, He came out in the fourth quarter, he got one drive, and then the Steelers never really got the ball back. Even after uh, the, the Detroit Lions scored their lone touchdown, they go for two, don't get it, So it's 19 to nine. Instead of kicking it deep, they kick onside and they actually recover the onside kick. And so Mason Rudolph might've gotten the ball back with a little over a minute and being able to go out and do something or try. He didn't even get that opportunity. I feel bad for Mason Rudolph. I'm not sure where he's going to find himself in the quarterback hierarchy, but when the beat reporters were saying that he wasn't even available for comment and they weren't even going to try to talk to him anyways, that means that he's probably pretty pissed off. And I get it. I totally get it. next, the next loser is the red zone offense. I mentioned this earlier. Oh, they were one for four. The lone score was on that two-minute drill. One for four. And a lot of those those three other red zone trips were all under Trubisky's start, mind you. Man, they were gift-wrapped. This This had 2019 week three at San Francisco, Mason Rudolph's first career start written all over it. If you remember that game, you know. They were gifted field position every which way, given the ball in the red zone. And same thing, same thing, same thing. Just could not convert into touchdowns, only field goals. That needs to improve. Third down offense is the last loser. You know what I look for, people? I look for 500 or better. What did they finish? Four for 13. I'll say it again. Four for 13. I mean, what else do I need to say? That's awful. That is awful. So while the Steelers did some good things, they did a lot of bad. Let's go to the losers one more time. Penalties, injuries, Mason Rudolph, the red zone offense, and the third down offense as well. It was a weird game. What a weird game that was. I think that's the best way for me to describe it. There were some things, you know, sometimes you see a play, George Pickens makes a play, that's great. Pat Fryermeath makes a play, that's great. But there was never any consistency in any stretch of the game at least on offense. The Steelers have two weeks. The last time we got to this point last preseason was leading up to a week one game at Buffalo, and that game plan was very, very creative. was uh, and It was effective. Obviously, it was effective. You saw the outcome. I like the Steelers coaching staff with two weeks to game plan. We'll see if they can get it done and if the players can execute that plan, but they have two weeks now. Two weeks, you got to get find a way. Just find a way. All right, folks, that does it for me. Within those two weeks, you need to make sure you're staying tuned to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We're going to have everything for you, roster cutdowns. We're going to have information on injuries, updates, news, depth charts, you name it. And then once we roll over to next week... We're going to have everything for you in terms of injury updates, our injury reports, all of it. So make sure BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. And wherever you get your podcasts, just search Steelers or behind the Steel curtain. Subscribe, follow so that you do not miss a thing. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'll be back on Wednesday. Make sure you're on the lookout for that tweet every Tuesday. Just look for my Twitter feed at J, the letter J, Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T, Submit your question underneath that tweet. I will answer that question in the second half of Wednesday's show for the mailbag. All right. That does it for me. Steelers win victory Monday. Enjoy it. And I will be back on Wednesday. In the meantime, you know, I finished it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. My candles burning bright. I sleep for three to four hours every night. Sipping coffee burning all till the morning.